On today's episode, I am interviewing Kasia Sobolewski, who's a somatic sex educator extraordinaire. I reached out to Kasia after a couple of years of uh, following her. We're both part of uh, the same somatic sex educator community, and she became a mother just about six months or so before I did. And uh, tracking her journey through pregnancy and birth and postpartum was a real anchor for me in my own experience. So you'll hear Kasha and I talk about our experiences as mothers and getting to know one another as peers. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I was thrilled to talk to her. You can find out more about Kasha and how to access her work in the show notes. So welcome, Kasha. I'm so excited to be with you today on the Sacred Body Podcast. Everyone, I am thrilled to introduce you. Um, Kasha and I know each other really like virtually, <laughs> only through the network of somatic sex educators and the wild world of social media. And as I was contemplating who I'd like to speak to about mother, the intersection of motherhood and creative work in the world. Um, you were someone that immediately came to mind because if I'm not mistaken, my first sort of encounter with you on social media was like the start of your pregnancy or at some point in your pregnancy. And all throughout, like being able to watch your very raw and real um, sharing of your experience, I was like, she gets it. I'm so like... <laughs> on a wavelength with her I don't even know her I want to talk to you um and I've also had the pleasure deep pleasure and healing experience of working in session with you one-on-one -on -one. and so I just want to give you uh the opportunity to introduce yourself as you are today what is your work in the world and anything else you want to share with peeps right up front Hi, yes, thank you, Stacy. What a, <laughs> a nice introduction, my pregnancy experience. Uh, you know, I really haven't had the experience of being anything other than radically honest in my life. And so that didn't have any, any difference in pregnancy. I did not enjoy being pregnant. I was not a happy pregnant person. Um, it definitely fucked with me quite a lot. And I was I was equally happy to not be pregnant anymore as I was to have given birth to my child. <laughs> I think that was the second thing out of my mouth was like, baby, I'm not pregnant anymore. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that that is seen and witnessed. It's, um, it's real. It's like some people are really good at being pregnant and some people it's just like, it wasn't my thing. Um, so yes, uh, I, I am a, a person who does this really wild work that you and I both facilitate, um, somatic sex education slash uh, working in the field of erotic labor, um, which is a phrase that I'm newly coming to love. Um, and this like concept and idea that, uh, yes, I am a sex worker, am I always having sex 
with my clients? No. Am I going into erotic spaces with my clients? Yes, pretty frequently. Do I talk about erotic stuff with clients? Yes, pretty frequently. Um, and I just love how these like worlds kind of overlay and how we can be in these spaces with people in really beautiful, boundaried, supportive ways that can help rewire feelings of care and parenting and eroticism in people's bodies. It's just like really juicy and magical and exquisite. Um, so that's what I do in my life, in my day-to-day. -day. Um, and I've been involved in sex education like since I was 15 and I was like, this is interesting, can I learn more? And then I um, started hosting naked workshops and then I uh, started hosting queer parties and then we started um, running an alternative feminist queer porn company. And then I became a somatic sex educator and certified holistic sex educator and trained in the surrogacy, um, the International Professional Surrogates Association and here I am now. <laughs> Amazing. I am always excited, like almost like reinvigorated about the work of somatic sex education whenever I speak to anybody, because I feel like the, the title of it is sort of like, I don't, I don't know. It's very difficult to capture in a phrase or a label. And this um, the way you articulated it about like being in well-boundaried, interesting, magical, deep spaces with people, engaging erotic themes, conversation, dialogue, sometimes experiences, like that gets my juices flowing. And I think even that is, um, it's just hard to pin down because I think the work is so fluid, like it can be anything it can take on so many different shapes and sounds <laughs> and even the work that you and I did together as I was contemplating it this morning had such a powerful ripple effect and was pretty simple like the the power of simplicity when it comes to eroticism and being with our body and our needs and desires and having that be witnessed, like having that be witnessed by someone um, so fully is so healing. Such good stuff. I, if for like the purpose of your podcast, I'm curious if it would be um, a benefit to your listeners if you were willing to describe your experience in our session together, like what we did and how it impacted you. Totally. Um, yeah, I reached out to you for a session so that I could be more, um, I think specific in our conversation. Like I don't always know intimately or firsthand the work of the person that I'm talking to, but it's nice to, and I was like, well, shit, I just want this for myself. Like I feel you know, there's a baby right next to me right now. I just cleaned up like the biggest shit explosion on my couch. It's like not a very erotic job. And there's no getting around that. It just is day to day so intense in like the actual physical shit and mess. And 
um, I was able to come to you with that, just say that and know that you could meet me there and lived experience, which was in and of itself very powerful. And also to name things like, like what I want, what I want is to be more in touch with my sexuality and my eroticism again. And I don't even know where to start because my body feels different. Sex feels different. So to just be like seen in description of my reality and like, you could laugh along with me. My mom interrupted our session so that I could breastfeed my child. (laughs) Like you gave me pause. And then to be guided in connection with my energetic body, that guided experience was so beautiful because there was room, you left room for me to move around, to make sound, to do anything that I wanted to do, but there was no pressure to do anything. I could just be in connection with myself. And it was really wonderful to then just have that experience of, oh, this, these parts of my body are really online and really ready to communicate with each other. These other parts are maybe like a little tender. There's a lot of sadness or just like blank space. That's interesting. And at the end of our time together, I remember, well, in the middle somewhere, like before we got to the guided practice, you asked me kind of what I would like, what kind of guided practice. And, you know, something like, do you want to connect to like an erotic practice? And I was like, no, my parents are downstairs. Like, it doesn't, just doesn't feel like very erotic space. And that also let me just like feel the feelings about that and acknowledge that that is actually something that I want, that I need. And so maybe I need to ask my partner or my parents to like take my kids away so that I can masturbate. Although I probably wouldn't let them in on that part. <laughs> it's a need to know basis. But you know, like these things are important to my sense of well-being. And, and gosh, I don't think it can be overestimated the value of really judgment-free space holding as we explore our our sexuality, our desire, and to name the things that feel really good. And you gave me that in an hour, in an hour and a half. (laughs) Ah, nice. Beautiful, thank you so much for sharing that. you you phrased it really well and that it's really hard to describe what it is we actually do so I think it's always so interesting just to like give little snippets of what can happen um and that guided part I mean it does seem so simple it's not like I was doing a whole lot but there's something so like it's like a deep surrender it's like oh I don't have to figure this out myself someone else is just gonna walk me through it and I get to just still remain in control of myself and my needs and my desires but I don't have to like figure it out I don't have to like prompt myself in these ways it's just taken care of and I think there's something really really juicy in that yeah it's like even you know I'm a I'm a yoga teacher sometimes also and you know the value of someone guiding your movement it's like oh yeah I forgot I forgot about my triceps I forgot about like 
the back line of my leg or the, you know, some, a teacher will name something and you're like, oh, right. I have a head. <laughs> I have genitals. I've, I honestly. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. The motherhood thing really, really turns off the genitals. <laughs> So I would love to hear your, like, for just a pointed question. Did you always want to be a mother or was it something that showed up like acutely oh in your relationship? <laughs> or... Yeah, this is a really interesting question for me because almost daily, almost daily, I'm like, fuck, this is hard. Holy shit. How come I signed up for this? Um, and so I think, I think there's a part of it where it's like, we almost need to not know how much work it is because I don't know if anyone would ever do it. Um, and then my, my second theory around it is like, I'm fairly confident, um, that like our children almost call us in like from the others, like if time isn't necessarily linear, but rather the kind of this like spacious kind of globular thing, um, I think that my child called me in and I think that I felt the need to facilitate that in my body. Cause I knew that I wanted a child. I knew that I wanted to get pregnant. Did I want to be a parent? I mean, the nitty gritty of it is like, you know, 75% of the day. No, I don't want to be a parent, <laughs> but um, there was also this part of me that like, so this is hysterical to me now because it's so true. There's this part of me that's so like my passion is this work. Like this is ever since I was 15 and the inkling of it came into my head. I was like, ooh, I could work in the realm of the erotic. Um, was a yes, it was a fuck yes. And part of me when I got pregnant was like, this is important to my work. Like the experience of being pregnant, going through childbirth and raising a child is gonna connect me to so many more people. <laughs> it's like, awesome. like, you know, impact my work negatively for a couple years and then it's gonna be really great. <laughs> so it was like a mixture of a bunch of things that was like, I don't know if I can get away from this. It's kind of like, it was, it was in the stars. <laughs> this child was in the stars. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I do think we're called to it by our children. Um, and in terms, like, I mean, you just phrased it. So let's just like go off of this. <laughs> you said this will negatively impact my work for a couple of years <laughs> and then it will open things up. I'm, I'm just curious and you don't have to, you know, I imagine some of that is facetiousness, but how has this changed your work? Like you've been doing this for a long time. And so in all the ways, like what is the first way that this has altered your work in the world? Well, the first way was when I was pregnant and my body had so many needs and it was really challenging to hold space for other people while pregnant. Um, so that was like the first and then trying to do body work with a giant ass tummy, like, <laughs> it's just like, uh, excuse me, oh, mm, so awkward. Um, and so I actually like physically had to stop doing work 
Uh, and then I just sat there, did puzzles for like two months. It was so sad. I was just like, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I can't do anything else. I had such like heartburn and just doing puzzles and like, <sighs> and I mean, then it's just like the surrender of like, you actually, I, I could not even fathom going back to work until I think about six months postpartum. And then I was like, I need to go back to work. It's not even just like a matter of like, don't want to, I actually can't do this all day long. This is, I'm actually, I'm going insane. <laughs> and I don't use that word lightly. It is 24 seven and it actually, it can, it can make you feel insane. Um, so <laughs> it was at that point, I think at 10 months that I committed to like finding a space to rent and finding a nanny to pay. And like to this day, <laughs> I now see the purpose of school. It's free daycare. I understand it now because primarily now the money that I make just goes to paying towards the childcare so that I can work. <laughs> and pay for the studio and childcare and it just it's just like kind of a, a mental health circle right now it's like yes I'll do this work I'll pay you I won't have anything extra but at least I'm sane um but you know the parenting and mothering angle it has really really helped I have I mean we work with all kinds of people but so many of those people are parents and so many of those parents are mothers and mothers who have like single-handedly raised a whole bunch of children like I can feel that I'm like holy fuck five boys you raised five boys by yourself like what how so that I think that compassion and understanding is so deep in me now like I get it on a cellular level and I think that has probably been the biggest impact in my work how has the work your understanding of eroticism sexuality touch impacted your mothering Huh, that was a good question too, because I recently um, did like an interview with a friend of mine who's working to become a doula and um, she was doing her thesis on like postpartum eroticism. Um, and I think, I think because I've, I'm like embedded in the erotic and I have been for such a long time in my life, it's been like such a fundamental piece of my identity which is hard in motherhood because it literally goes out the window. It's like so hard to hold on to, so hard. And then you're like, who am I? <laughs> I'm just a chaperone for this small child, that's it. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was like important to me postpartum to be able to find um, erotic pleasure, uh, like, in the smallest of ways whenever there was the time for it uh, I would like call in my partner I'd be like let's just like lie together and figure out how something can feel good um, and I feel really grateful that I was able to like start engaging erotically with my partner again pretty quickly after giving birth like I think it was like 10 days or two weeks and I was like I just I need this piece of myself back please let's just try um, so I, keeping it like at the forefront of importance, just cause I know, I know how 
good it is for our bodies and not necessarily like to pressure ourselves to have sex or be erotic, but rather like my body needs these chemicals that come from pleasure that I know that we can get when we connect deeply with each other. Um, I was just like, you're just in depletion. You're just need it so badly. So that importance I think really shifted and changed my experience with the whole postpartum thing. Although I will say polyamory and pregnancy, really hard. That was a really hard experience. Um, and then just like hormonal balancing after, like during pregnancy and childbirth and trying to be like a, a stable human in the world after that all is exquisitely challenging. Um, so there was a lot of learning there. Yeah, I think that's something that is um, like just overlooked. Most most people, in particular, women who have arguably more complex hormone processes, like it's just overlooked and overridden by most of us until we cannot ignore it anymore. And I wanted I want to touch on something specific to this education and, and practice that you and I both have where like differentiating between an erotic experience and penetrative intercourse or like specific sex acts because I imagine a lot of people listening would be like what the hell like <laughs> no I mean after my second child it was a remarkably longer time before I was like all interested, ready, even like willing to entertain the possibility of penetration. But there are other ways to connect and generate erotic energy. So would you just maybe talk about your favorites? <laughs> if that feels good to you? Yeah, great. Happy to all the time. It's like every day that's the question, how can I make my life more erotic? Um, so putting on some sultry music and dancing is like, like the biggest one dancing alone or with your partner so huge like just like connecting physically and moving your bodies together oh my god delicious so good and then just like taking things off the table I think that once we start talking about the erotic there's the immediate assumption that genitals are part of that equation and it's that's just simply not true we can generate a lot of erotic energy in our genitals, but if you just say, okay, let's engage in love and touch and intimacy, but we can't actually touch each other's genitals, it can be a really fun game. Like what happens when we ignite the rest of our body? Um, and I totally, I totally get what you mean. Like there was post childbirth, the idea, I remember, <laughs> oh my God, I'm like, <laughs> I, I refer my first blog when I was like, 19 was called to be a slut and it's still embedded in me because I was like seven days post childbirth and I think the baby was sleeping and like my partner had an erection and I was like touching my clit and the idea of having an orgasm was just like pain this is going to cause you so much pain I was like okay no we have to stop 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 please stop um so it's like your body tells you exactly what not to do just like you just like this, this was an evacuation zone for a, a human. Like this was, it's a no-go right now. Um, but even like, 
Oh, I even, we were listening to something. I love TikTok right now. I'm like obsessed with TikTok. I'm learning so many things in like the shortest amounts of time. And one of them was just like, what happens when you walk around and roll your shoulders back and you just walk around the room, like you own the space and you just are like confident and you just start to embody in a completely different way. So there's just all these different things of like, okay, I'm covered in vomit. I've been wearing these clothes for like 10 days. I haven't showered. This baby's crying. Like, what? The, how can I manage right now? Um, and usually, honestly, I have to like come to a place of calm in my body before I can even get to the erotic part. It's like I need to just dispel everything. And then once I feel calm and safe and grounded, maybe erotic energy is available and on the table. But if all of that is in place first, it's like impossible. <laughs> You gotta like do the things to take care of the self before that's even there. Even having a shower makes you maybe feel a little bit more erotic. (laughs) Yeah, and there's such a I don't I don't know if stigma is the right word, but I you know I experienced it myself even going into pregnancy and the postpartum time with some real training and like hands-on experience supporting women through this really difficult time of like just encountering that part of myself and I think I use this phrase with you like self-imposed obligation to do it all to be like this you know the mother as martyr like no I'll do it no I've got it no you go and hang out with your friends and I'll stay here and it's like no that is not how this can go if you want to enjoy yourself at all And also it's a lot of work to overcome that, you know, whatever it is, whether you want to call it a deeply ingrained pattern or limiting self-belief or whatever, it's like, okay, so how do I, how do I get this thing that I need? And, you know, in the background, I'm like, well, you just ask for it, silly, but it's, it can be really, really edgy it can be really edgy to just say like, no, you have to stay here and I'm going out for an hour and you can figure it out. (laughs) And I I want to share the visual of this conversation because you're so physically expressive and it's so, I just love, I love being in space with you so much. (laughs) Yeah, we're not even in the same space. Isn't that fun? Like worlds away. I know it's incredible. Yeah, the the asking. So this is my my working theory, and I really appreciated this. Someone in my life, I think, when my daughter was like ten months old, just like so honestly said to me, like, "I'm a way better part time parent." And I was like, "That's allowed? Am I allowed to want that?" <laughs> and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Oh my god." I mean, yes, ultimately, if I could choose, I would maybe do like three hours max of parenting a day and then have some paid vacations in there as well. Just like, here's your week off. Go for it. Um, sadly, this is not the case. But yeah, that um, it's like almost like a battery of how much you're able to give and the space that you need. And even last night, like, my daughter was sitting on the kitchen counter and she was throwing shit on the floor. And I was like, please stop throwing stuff on the floor. Like, you know that this really pisses me off. You're old enough to comprehend what I'm saying to you. Please stop. 
and she did it again and I put her on the floor and then she started shouting at me for like half an hour just like scream crying at me I'm like this is bullshit <laughs> and like I actually I hit a wall and I had to like go to my partner who was in the middle of something I'm like I just need help I need help please just help me five minutes just give me a second and like that that breaking point which was I'm so grateful is accessible to me like to have someone else physically in the house I can be like please just help me for a second um some people don't have that and I have so much compassion for single moms or single parents like that shit is hard it is hard oh. and there's even that like um you know I imagine a lot of people experience this sort of like subtle antagonism within their marriage because it's like who wants to deal with that and there's sort of this like unspoken, that's the point. It's unspoken, this unspoken desire to not have to do it alone. And then when we don't speak that desire because we've been like conditioned out of it or shamed that like, you're not the mother who just like loves this fucking bullshit all the time. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard. And if you don't have a partner who can, you know, it's not that they have to be like, happy about it happy about being interrupted or called in to help but like to just acknowledge like of course I get it this is really hard and how annoying and you know we'll be nice to each other later <laughs> yes yeah exactly it's like oh I'm 25 percent calmer than you are right now sure let me take this <laughs> yeah my first um postpartum experience my husband was at home the whole time he had a, a a lot of paid leave and then long story short he was home for 18 months the first 18 months of our son's life and the day that I gave birth to our daughter he started a new job and he's been out of the house this whole time and it is I mean I know that it's different because there are two but also I cannot I cannot express well enough the profound difference between parenting with a partner present and partnering, you know, with them home after 6 p.m. and that's it. Like it, yeah, talk about going insane and not using that term lightly either. <laughs> I can, I have so much only shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Bless you. Well, I mean, this is, you know, I don't, I don't want this conversation. Hopefully there are mostly people kind of like feeling validated by the struggle. And I also don't want it to be just like um, how hard mothering is because that's, I think should be a given. Um, but also the ways that we, you know, boundary is a huge theme of the work that you and I are engaged in. And I think that's something that often surprises people like how boundaried sex education and like erotic practice is. Um, and that's almost the edge for people is like actually having to articulate what is yes and what is no. That's certainly a huge like edge for me still as I go deeper into the work, like the edge of having to say, this is actually what I want and I'm not available for this other thing. And expecting to be met or you know 
have another person say respectfully, like, okay, that doesn't work for me. Like we're, we're so sensitive to being rejected and, and yet without those boundaries, we'll never really be fully met and supported in the ways that we need. So um, I just love to hear you riff on that for a little bit. About boundaries, oh my God. And desires and asking for what you need. Yeah, in two minutes. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever comes up. That's the boundary, that's the desire. <laughs> um, oh gosh. Okay, let me feel into that. Well, I mean, it's it's such it's such a complex and unique space because like with clients. So I do somatic sex education, but I also do sacred intimacy, which is um, the difference being uh, one way ver one way touch versus mutuality. So uh, acknowledging a situation in which it may benefit my client to interact with me and my body on an intimate level for X, Y, or Z reasons. Maybe they've never been in a relationship before. Maybe they've had a really traumatic relationship and they don't even know what it feels like to be in loving or caring connection. So there's like a vast amount of reasons. But one of the things that I'm exploring in that right now is like the boundary of what I am able to give to someone and like that changes on a daily basis, right? Like if I don't know someone and they come into my office, what I'm going to be able to offer them is going to be completely different than someone I've been working with for a year and we've developed a relationship and I have like, yeah, I could do that with this person or like, no, I'm not really ready to do that with this person. So it's, it's an ongoing development in my own body in my workspace to navigate that and then turn that off completely and go into the home space and you're holding so much more it's not just your own care for your own boundaries but it's your partner who needs to feel cared and held and loved and you've just taken care of your babies all morning and then given like three other people a bunch of care and awareness and you're coming home you're like fuck okay that's like what needs to happen what needs to be done and you're not able to give that care to your partner and maybe they're not even able to give it to you and there's this like really crunchy space where you're both holding so much and you can't even get mad at each other for being unable to offer each other that care because you're both doing so much it's just kind of this like sitting beside each other like oh, oh my god like i hear you i hear this care that you want and like i am burnt out um and like that, uh, it's an ongoing thing. Like you so badly want to show up for your partner in the ways that they need you to or want you to. And they're like verbally asking, will you like massage me? And I'm just like, you can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm like mimicking me, like sinking into the couch, just like a globular blob is how I feel like at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes it's just like a straight up no. <laughs> And then talk about cycling, being a human with a cycling body. Like I just finished my period and now I'm like, what shit can I get done? Like, what do I need to do? And then the week before my period, I'm like, I can't do anything. I can't do the dishes. I can't cook. Just don't even look at me. <laughs> like, it's just like an ongoing, like, how do I, how am I now? What is, what is a boundary? What is a desire? Like, it's just, it never ends, but with children in the children oh my god boundaries with children <laughs> I'm like I do the wheel of consent with clients and I'm like now that I have parented I'm like 
parenting is a bit non-consensual. It's like obligation. It's non-consensual service most of the time. You just have to do it though. That's just the agreement that you made when you decided to get pregnant and have a child that like maybe you weren't fully informed by. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I see that. I see that totally. And then just like, fuck, it's just, it's just, there's so much and so many things to navigate, but it's really that, that like deeply, uh, yes, the integrity um, of your body, right? In that, that I think is what we try and teach clients is to, once you know what truth feels like in your body, the goal is to keep coming back there. So if you offer a boundary or desire and it like doesn't align with your truth, like, you know, you're off kilter a little bit. And it's like that continual coming back to like, what is, what is true for me and my body right now? And how can I show up for it? How can I, how can I lovingly show up for myself in these situations? I don't know. Did that talk about the things that you to talk about? <laughs> no, I mean, even, even beyond, like, it's so beautiful, the, the return back to the integrity of the body. And I don't know, I don't know if you felt, I mean, there's like the, I feel my experience was that there's like a little bit of dissociation in pregnancy because there's just all these things happening, you know, regardless of what you do. <laughs> so there's a sense of being out of control, which can be really overwhelming. And I definitely had more grace in my second pregnancy than my first. I also really disliked being pregnant. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that my body has always been such a huge resource for me. I was a dancer, a yoga practitioner, very physically active, love sex. And suddenly there's like these things that are my resources that I cannot engage and I'm pissed about it. And also feeling like untethered. Um, and so having some kind of support in terms of like finding new ways to connect is essential. And it's not a skill that a lot of people have because a lot of people aren't, you know, it's not something that we value terribly much in our shared culture. Um, and I'm curious for you, if you would say that there was any like um, heightened sensitivity in terms of like needs and boundaries as a result of becoming a mom. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, oh my God. I hate bedtime so much. <laughs> bedtime is like, why is this taking so long? Why, why? Like, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I have to remind my small child to close her eyes about every 10 seconds. It's like, this is the thing we're doing right now. Close your damn eyes. <laughs> um, so like we, it's so, this is just like, this is it. This is the boundary. It's like, we have a schedule of who wakes up with the baby. If she wakes up in the night, who wakes up with her and who wakes up with her in the morning and what happens at nighttime and who puts her to bed on certain days of the week. And I have my schedule of like, I know that I can go meditate at this time. I know that I can go for a walk at this time. I know that I can do some art over here. I know that I can masturbate over here. Like, these are my chunks of free time. 
and I may not be able to do everything that I want to do anymore, but I can at least do some things. And like just filling those cups in those spaces has been, it's, it's imperative. Like I can't, if I see, so my, my husband just went away on a three-day kayaking trip with his eldest son and I am on parenting duty for three days by myself. And like, I'm already, I'm just like, that's too much for me. <laughs> that's too much for me. Not only am I taking care of my own child 24 seven for three days, but I'm also taking our, um, my three-year-old stepson who is like my child times three like the amount of energy and like boundarylessness he has. It's just like, ah! <laughs> um, so I've like, I've schemed out my time. I'm like, who can I resource that I can like spend time with who can distract these children away from me for a couple hours so that I can ground and resource myself. And that is how I structure my parenting is that I can't, I can't ever just parent by myself for a whole day. I'm like, I need, I need a friend to come over. I need some child to come over and distract my child, or I need someone to take my child. Like these are the options. So um, being really committed to that has really helped. <laughs> it's really, really, really. Yeah. Your, um, I have a, a dear friend who's also a mother and her children are similar ages to mine. And I'm just like always in awe of her willingness to not only ask for help, but some, clearly we need some help over here. Um, but there's like this certainty, She's like I need help. I deserve to have help. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask whoever I need to, to get this time and space that I need. And I'm like, oh, how do you do that? Is there like, there's like software that I wasn't, I, I don't have. Where do I get that software to download into my system where I can just be like, no, actually I need this and I need you to do this. Yes, 100%. And don't even like, try not even to think about it as like a one-off, just like embed it into your week. like. Oh, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I know so-and-so is coming over for two hours. We're having a, a baby, baby break in this moment, which you'll oh, probably yeah. She's, yeah, she's exploring her own needs and boundaries right now. She's like, it's not acceptable to me that you sit on the floor and hold me. So we're just going to do a little walking. And this is... Um, Gosh, I am in this moment just so aware of like the, the karma, if you will, for me in becoming a mother. <clears throat> like, Stacy, you got to put that perfectionist to rest. Like, <laughs> kill your perfectionist. There is no life force left available for them. Like, put it down. This is messy. Ask for help. And that's sort of my hope. And She's been on me for pretty much every episode recently that I've recorded. And it's been like, I got to mute myself and juggle things around. And it's sort of annoying because I have to move constantly. And this is it. And I feel like there's tremendous power and grace in mothering. And I'm still looking, I'm still trying to find it myself. And that, like these conversations are so inspiring to me because 
everyone I've spoken to is doing it differently. But what the common thread is, is this commitment to, to self, that like eternal self, knowing this is what keeps me in integrity with myself and doing what is needed to, you know, be the mother that you desire to be and also to be connected to your essential self. Yes, totally. My like, my journals, I think up until maybe six months ago, I was reading them recently and I was like, I miss myself so much. This is the time in my life where I long to be alone with me. Who even am I anymore? <laughs> like, it's just like, what a beautiful love poem. This just like yearning, yearning for me. I love that. I really resonate with that. Um, I'm curious where, where you get most of your support. Like, what does your support system look like? And do, and do you feel really supported in your way of mothering? How have you created that support for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I do notice my mom lives in Toronto and um, is a far away, far away flight from us right now. And I do notice that like the support that would come from her living really close is gone. But um, my husband has two older children who are 13 and 16 and holy moly do they ever help with that experience not only do they love the babies but they like babies love them like they're just a constant distraction um and then i i will ask my friends if i have like a specific like i mean i need to paint my living room sometime soon i'm like i need i can't I can't pay for childcare for this thing that I'm doing for free. So I'm going to resource my friends or um, my sister lives nearby. Um, my sister was the one who recently took my child and our, our three-year-old son for three days by herself and her partner. <laughs> God bless her. Uh, maybe not God bless her. Bless her. Um, she just called me. She's like, this is nuts. Like, how do you do this every day? And I was like, yes, you understand. <laughs> so, but then the next, uh, like she left and we got back and, and she saw my, my series of Instagram posts about me camping without a baby and just like loving life. Um, and she said, I miss, I miss Maeve so much. Just let me know whenever you want me to do that again, I'll totally do it again. And I'm like, yes. Because they're so addictive, these cute little tiny babies. They're so addictive and so much work. So um, totally. There's I definitely. Joke. We have a joke, like, as soon as we put our kids to sleep, we're like scrolling photos in our phones of them and talking about watching the stupid video that we just took when we were like pulling our faces off so annoyed. And it's like, oh, but look, look, that was so cute. <laughs> Having just a little bit of space is priceless. I mean, not to get like into the cliche of like it takes a village, but it really does. And it, does. it, it really does. And there's nothing, you know, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, why is it okay for me to be at home with my children going insane? But like, I feel guilty about asking anyone else to do it. Like, it's not harder 
there's no difference. Like just because I'm their mom, it's not less hard. Of course, there's harder significant about being with my with my children, but it's not like I refuse to be the martyr slash mother. Like I'm just not going to do that, and I feel. Um, like it's quite difficult for a lot of people to be in the raw honesty of what it's like to parent. And it's that like ultimate paradox. I don't dislike this. I'm so in love with my kids and with being a mother. And sometimes I don't want to do it at all. Not an ounce of me wants to do it. That's the thing, right? It's like, it's like not wanting to parent all the time doesn't mean that we don't love our children. It just means that we don't want to fucking parent right now. Like, I want to do something else, <laughs> anything else. Like, yes, I will cook dinner if it means that I don't have to parent right now. Like, I'll do all the house cleaning. Just take this baby away from me for an hour. Has becoming a mother changed your experience of your mother oh my god <laughs> yes every every like birthday card every text i'm like thank you for rearing me through toddlerhood i appreciate you thank you for my regulated nervous system this yeah. is thank you <laughs> she was she did it primarily by herself two young children at home all day long um, so she, she gets it, she knows it, and she laughs now at me every time I, I, um, complain. Yeah, I said to my mom, my, um, son was freaking out about something, and I was laughing at myself for getting, like, so involved in this, like, argument with the toddler. I was like, okay, who's the ridiculous one here? My toddler or me, the grown-ass adult who's, like, arguing with him like he cares what I think or like he knows what is happening you know but I said to my mom I was like I find myself just thinking all the time like what are you so upset about do you not realize that literally everything is about you everything is for you everything is about you and my mom was like yeah your kids don't get it until they have kids of their own that everything is about them and it just there's a lot of compassion for my parents. Um, and I'm also like, I've, I have a, a pretty good relationship with my parents anyway. And I recognize I've got something. Um, I've just got a lot of gratitude and pride. And it's not a situation that everyone has. But I do think there's something really potent in becoming a parent uh, that can if not heal, like just alter our perception of our childhood, our parents as humans, as people. And for me, it's allowed me to give my parents the benefit of the doubt a lot more. Yeah, yeah, seriously. My, my dad, I think, never really understood how to be a parent. And I certainly have way more compassion for him now and like his ability to connect with me and my sister as we became like young adults was significantly easier. And now having had this experience of parenting, I'm like, I get it. This doesn't totally make sense. 
it's hard. <laughs> like, I, I get it, Dad. Yeah. I think there's a lot that comes to us almost like the act of giving birth. It's like it activates a lot in our animal body about what to do and what needs to be done, but it's also still a skill that one must learn and practice. And we need a lot of support and guidance. Um, yeah, with, with just some awareness of our time, I, <laughs> I wanna keep talking to you all day long. It's so much fun. And I would love for you to tell people what you're working on these days, what, um, what if anything are like some ways that people can work with you and where they can find you. Uh, what I'm working on. Okay. Um, so, I mean, this is so funny. This is like, I mean, to all the sex workers out there who are moms too, I guess. Um, I'm facilitating a training with my colleague, Medi. Um, it's called Lilith Bay and it's like a trauma training skills and business skills for sex workers who are maybe like totally in love with sex work or some element of it, but don't totally feel like they're, um, in integrity with their offerings all of the time. <clears throat> and that's just based off my own reflections of offering full service and kind of loving it, but not really totally loving it. And, um, this like vision of all of the horrors in the future being the ones in power and actually getting to like sit there and interview each client and be like, do I want to have you as a client? And like, hmm, no, thank you. And then be able to actually curate this really magnificent and beautiful offering that sex work is. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and I mean, my favorite thing is honestly just working individually with people. I just like so deeply love getting in a room with someone and just listening. And it's just, it's just, I, I'm, I love it. I love witnessing a human. I love supporting um, a facilitated experience based off the things that I'm hearing. Um, all of the, those things I work with uh, Pamela Madsen too at Back to the Body who offers sensual retreats for women and if you have the funds and can pay for like a luxurious trip, I so, so recommend checking back to the body out. It's a really, really unique and beautiful experience. I mean, if you have, if you have the funds to pay for a trip, it's essentially the same thing, except it's all organized for you and you get erotic body work every day. So you get food, you have accommodation, you have a group of other women who are looking to go through similar experiences. It's like, it's quite um, life-changing experiences. And my, my husband Cosmo Means works for Pamela too. Also, also offers erotic body work. Um, and we do uh, the Apollo Project, which is like the same thing, but for men. And we offer that on Vancouver Island. And it's like, a beautiful week-long retreat for men because they need this they need this work really badly too we all do yeah um and then like other than that I think that's it those are the things I'm working on right now well I can't recommend your support enough to anyone who feels interested curious um there's something so 
hopeful to me about um, the the connection that you and I are weaving with one another, but also this connection to this larger body of work um, because it can look so many ways and we're all, you know, those of us who are learning it and facilitating these experiences, really it's as, as unique as, you know, the number of us that are involved. And so I just highly recommend it if you're listening and you're curious and I'm so, uh, happy for lack of, you know, a, a more intense word. Like I'm, I just feel delighted. I feel lighter. Um, thank you for the laughter. Thank you for your time today. It was so wonderful connecting with you. And I look forward to having another session with you. Yay! Um, I had one last thing, if I may, just because this, this was important for me to hear. There was this like, story that I had at the beginning of pregnancy that you like couldn't really commit to your spiritual self because there wasn't space for it and I'm like I hate that story like I don't want having children to mean that I can't like evolve into a higher version of myself and so I recreated that story and just that every time that my nervous system gets jolted by parenting is another opportunity to come back to my center. And like that experience of like, I'm able to come back here every time is like pretty exquisite training. So I've, I've decided to look at it that way that like parenting is fucking hard, but it's also the best boot camp for your highest learning that you could ever go through. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm so with you. Um, ah, cheers and solidarity with you, beautiful mother and amazing woman. Thank you for thank you for your time today and for all that you offer. Mm, you're so welcome. I hope that you enjoy your baby's naps today. <laughs> Always living for nap time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Kasha. I wanted to let you know also about an online course that I created called Sex and Motherhood. This three-part course is part somatic experiencing techniques, meditation, as well as journaling prompts and group Q&A. This live workshop was recorded in order to support all mothers, all women who have become mothers in not only tuning into what the experience of motherhood and postpartum has perhaps taken away in terms of sexuality, sexual expression, and desire, but what it has also given. So it's an opportunity to do some healing work in terms of what is no longer relevant for you as a sexual mother and what is now available for you. I hope you'll tune in. You can find details about this on my website, stacyramsour.com, or a link directly to the course in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you like this episode, please leave a comment, please share through all your channels, and you also have the opportunity to make a donation to ensure that these amazing conversations continue with ease. I appreciate you being here. I'm curious to hear how this conversation has impacted you, and I hope that you'll join us again.